our gifts. We are in love with our ministry. We are in love with our talents, not with the Lord. And so you minister out of that realm, out of that gifted ability, but you don't minister out of the life of God. And so you have, a bit, you have an ability to flow because you are in the zone of your gift. Okay, But what happens? After a while you run dry. Because the gift must be connected to the giver. That the life, Jesus said, unless you are plugged into the vine, the branch has no life of its own. Amen? Now a lot of people run in their gifts, especially on the platform. Musicians, singers, vocalists. They are gifted. They don't pray. They don't meditate on the Word. They don't spend time with the Lord. They come to the meeting and they're just in their zone and use their gift. And when the congregation has to flow in the Spirit, they come unstuck because they're not in a relationship with the Lord. They can't flow there. I see this over and over. Okay. So, unless we understand that your gift is more important than the giver, um, you're not going to really be able to use your gift to honor the Lord successfully. Amen? Colossians 1.12 Giving thanks to the God who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13 The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control of the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of of the Son of His love, verse 14, in whom we have our redemption through His blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. The Father has brought us, has delivered us out of the control of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the fellowship of the knowledge of God. Can I ask you a question? What is eternal life? Somebody tell me, what is eternal life? Life without death? Let me answer that. Those who enter the lake of fire, will they die? So they already have life without death, right? Without Jesus. So it must be something else. I can't hear you. Being in the presence of God. Okay, I want you to hold that one for a while. Okay, give me some other answers. What is eternal life? What did they sell it to you for? When you repented from your sin, they told you that you have eternal Sorry? Yeah. That's a dimension of life, of the life of God, but I'm talking about eternal life. Come on, don't keep me hostage. You all church people. Jesus, where do you come from? Turn to John 17, 3. See what Jesus says eternal life is. 
You see, the church people think eternal life is a duration. Or we say that it's a quality of life. John 17, 3 says something else. We found John. It's in the New Testament. 17, 3. Now this is eternal life. Who's speaking? Can you trust him? Will you trust him more than the theologians? Okay. I, I, I trust Jesus. Now this is eternal life. That, you may know, that they may know you. The only true God. Can I ask a question? Do you have eternal life right now? Yes. Right now. You don't have to die for it. The moment you receive the life of God, you transfer it from death to life. And you are now become a partaker of eternal life. And now the quality of that life is determined by your relationship and your knowledge of God. Can I remove another fallacy? When you die, you're not going to be like Jesus. You're going to be like you. I know the Bible says, some people say, when we see Him, we will be like He is. Is that what your Bible says? What does it mean? In what way, what was Jesus like after He was raised from the dead? He had an incorruptible body. He could walk through that wall. Is it right? He became indestructible. All right? When you see him, you will be like his. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, this corruptible body will put on incorruption. He explains the whole mystery. At the sound of the trumpet, those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Is it right? The whole process will change. And then those of us who remain will change. We'll be like him. In posture, not in position. As a tree falls, so it remains. Can I submit to you, your death is not more powerful than the death of Jesus. If the death of Jesus could not bring you in a meaningful relationship with God, your death is not going to do it. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Many people believe that they can live like the devil and when Jesus comes they're going to be like him. Without sanctification and holiness, no man, no woman, no child will see God. Does your Bible teach that? Okay. So don't believe this whole idea that you can... And then we talk about our family problems. We are all like this. We all are short-tempered. But God knows His grace covers us. I hear some amens. It's not a right place to say amen. The grace of God is His divine empowerment 
to establish His will and bring about His good pleasure in us. It's not to plaster over our imperfections. Okay? We have misrepresented the grace of God in the church for too long. Amen? Hebrews 5 is still the truth. We've got to go on to perfection. Amen? I can see a lot of pain on your faces. I see a lot of idols being thrown over, decapitated. Some holy cows slaughtered without any ceremony. That's the work of an apostle. I do that work without apology. Because I want to see the saints perfected. Amen. The pain is excruciating on some of your faces. But I have learned how to stare at it and still love. Can I continue? Can somebody give me five minutes? I see about ten hands. That's fifty. Okay. Ah, it's early. I've got to work this word. I, I have successfully introduced it so far. So unless I had chance, I've got to get this word out of my spirit. Uh, When the word comes, everything changes. Revelation has that power to transform us. It doesn't matter what your experiences were yesterday. As soon as revelation comes, that experience now becomes secondary. Is it true? Yes, the tabernacle of Moses was good. The tabernacle of David is better. The temple of Solomon is excellent. Same God. And he has given the revelation for all three. Amen? Do you know that when the people of God were in um, the wilderness, they offended God and he sent a lot of serpents among them to kill them. Remember that? And Moses went to God. He said, hang on, hang on, hang on. What are you doing? He says, okay, I'll tell you what. Make a brazen serpent. Put it on a pole. And whoever looks at that pole when they have been bitten by a snake shall be cured. Is that true? Symbolic of the cross that would come. Now, when you read the scriptures, they have already entered now the promised land. And they're still dragging this thing with them. It has no relevance anymore. But they're dragging it with them because God gave it. There are some things that God gives for a particular reason and a particular season. The king noticed it and he asked them, what is this? They said, well, God gave it to us in the wilderness. He grounded it into powder and he called it Nehustan, which means useless thing. Can you receive that? Some of our religious baggage is useless stuff. Let it go. It is God who gave it at an appointed season. 
But God continues to speak, and there's a proceeding word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the question is, what is God saying and what is God doing? Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. So you know that Satan got some revelation that brought about his rebellion. He heard that God was going to make a species called mankind, and the species would be in his image and his likeness. In other words, look like God and act like God. That's what image means to me. When you say a son is the splitting image of his dad, what does it mean? Looks like his dad. Is it right? When you look in the mirror, whose image do you see? Your image. So if you are made in God's image, then what do you look like? I know God is a spirit. But when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come as an ox. He came as a man. Because that was the best way that God could introduce himself to his creation. In fact, one of the faces of God is that of a man. Amen? So don't have the pseudo-humility, you know, I'm nothing like God. I'm just a worm. No, no, no. You are made in the image of God. And his likeness, which means you can operate like God. Amen? Amen? So Lucifer heard this. You see, he was not made in the image of God, nor in the likeness of God, even though he was an incredible creature of the creation of God. And he became very angry to the extent that he said, I will ascend into the heavens, and I will challenge God, and I will overthrow the very throne of God, and I will prohibit him from making the species called mankind. And God said, no. And God dealt with him. Amen? Amen. So God placed us in the earth because he has a mission for us. Alright? And I've got news for you. It's not an impossible mission. It's not mission impossible. Amen? It's possible. Attainable. Why do I know this? Our oldest brother Jesus successfully introduced the program and is now administrating it through his life and his spirit in and through the church. And if the church is willing to align itself to him, it will bring him glory. So right there at the fall of the foundation of the earth. The Bible says before God laid the foundation of the earth. Paul, John, these two apostles, when they write, they don't go back to the creation of mankind. They go back to before the foundations of earth was laid. Because their intimacy and their relationship with the Father opened up those dimensions of revelation to them. Okay? So they write from a different perspective. Many of the other apostles just write about surface things. But these guys write about eternal things. Okay? 
That's why you see John, to him it was given the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you listen to the language he used in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you can see that this is a man that is in love with the Lord. Amen? He talks about the church as the elect lady. Wow. Amen? Such beautiful imagery that he's using. So, before the foundation of earth has been corrupted, because God is all wise. Look down the corridor of time for eternity, he saw certain things happen. And then he put certain things in place. That even if that thing would happen, it would not obstruct his program and his plan. Amen? That's why when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have to call 911. No siren went off in heaven. And the triune God didn't wipe, uh, wipe the sweat from their brow and say, Oh, what are we going to do now? They knew what would happen and they made ample provision for the recovery of mankind. The Bible tells me that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of earth was laid. No foundation, no earth, no devil, no rebellion, no mankind, no sin, but there's a lamb slain. Because God makes provision. Amen? So when man did sin, it didn't upset God. Because it was already in his eternal program. Amen? Some people, t- you see, that's why teaching this whole thing about the Garden of Eden as the dispensation of innocence doesn't fit into God's program. There was nothing innocent about that garden. The provision of sin was already made. Amen? So before the foundation was laid, God has made provision. Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. And I'm not going to teach all of the Hebrew foundations and all those things. Because I think you've had enough Hebrew for one weekend. Some of you are developing a resistance to Jews and I can't afford that. So so let me skip some of the Hebrew and just go into the English. Is that okay? So what happened? Some things were hidden. Before God laid the foundation of earth, He did certain things that when the foundation of earth became corrupted through the rebellion of demonic spirits and principalities and powers, it could not affect the eternal plans of God. The Bible tells me in Matthew 13, 35, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Speaking of Jesus, that now in the appointed time begins to speak about things that was for that season. Amen? But it was kept secret from the foundation of earth before it was laid. Secondly, Matthew 25, 34. There was a kingdom prepared. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, From the preaching of John the Baptist? No. From the foundation of the world. 
Amen? The kingdom is not a new theology. It has been established before the foundation of the earth was laid. Thirdly, some people were chosen. A population for the kingdom. Paul explains in Ephesians 1.4, According as He has chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. When were you chosen? I can't hear you. Come on, say it with attitude. Amen? No earth yet. The foundation of earth has not even been laid. No devil. No sin. But you have been chosen. Amen? Bless God. That's why when you heard the word of the Lord preached, you responded to it because you recognized the voice of the Lord. I have a whole different take on evangelism than many people. I'm not going to go there now. The fourth thing is that all of God's works were finished before He laid the foundation of the earth. Hebrews 4 verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as He said, As I have sworn in my wrath, I shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. God finished His work. Stop telling God to do things that He told you to do. Amen? Too many instructions to God. Too few prayers. Fifth thing. One sacrifice covers all sin. Hebrews 9.26 For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When was the the, the sacrifice made? Before the foundation of the earth was laid. Number six, Calvary was foreordained. 1 Peter 1.20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Can I tell you why Jesus had to hang on a cross publicly? So that people can see it. As far as God was concerned, He was already crucified before the foundation of earth was laid. Peter says, it's for you. Amen. Come on, shall I read the verse again? Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. As far as God was concerned, the Son was sacrificed. Revelation 13, 8, the Lamb was slain, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. 
Number eight. Names were placed in the book of life. Revelation 17.8. Those of you who preach the gospel to unbelievers, don't lie to them. Don't tell them the Lord is going to write their name in the book of life if they respond. It's not the truth. The book is written up and sealed already. And don't tell them that when they sin, God's going to erase their name again. It's not the truth. Okay? 17.8 The beast that thou sowest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was, that is not, that yet is. That's deep. Don't go there. When were the names written? Before the foundation of earth was laid. Amen? Your name, my name, every name of everyone that responds to the Lord and walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, there is no confusion. The Lord knows who is His. Amen? Bless the Lord. Then judgment came over everything. Isaiah 49 tells you that in Shul, the place of the dead below is stirred up to meet you at your coming. Talking about who? The demonic spirits. And stirs up in shades of death to greet you. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it raises from their thrones. Is in astonishment at your humbled condition. All the kings of the nations. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Lucifer who has become Satan. Verse 10 in Isaiah 14. All of them will tauntingly say to you, Have you become weak as we are? Have you become like us? Verse 11. Your pomp and magnificence are brought down to Sheol, along with the sound of your harps. The maggots are spread out under you, and worms cover you. How have you fallen from heaven, O light bringer and day star, son of the morning? How you have been cut down to the ground, you who weakened and laid low the nations. And you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the assembly in the uttermost north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Verse 15, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol. To the innermost recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Verse 17, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who would not permit his prisoners to return home. All the kings of the nations, all of them lie sleeping in glorious array, each one in his own sepulcher. But you are cast away from your tomb like a loathed growth of premature birth or an abominable branch, and like the raiment of the slain, and you are clothed with the slain. Those thrust through with a sword will go down to the stones of the pit like a dead body trodden underfoot. Verse 20. You shall not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land and have slain your people. May the descendants of evildoers nevermore 
be named. Talking about the opposition of the Lord. We have an assignment. Amen? And you can read it, Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm not going to read that to you. I've dealt with that a little bit. And you can do your own study about the Nephilim and the Rephaim. I can just mention in passing who these are. These are demonic spirits that entered into the sons of the daughters of the Lord, and they created a species called giants. Is that right? When the people of God went into the promised land to do an assessment, what did they find? They found giants in the land. Can I tell you what the purpose of giants are? The purpose of giants are to obstruct and prohibit you from accessing the plan and purpose of God. Ask Goliath what his assignment was. Simply to torment the people of God. And Goliath understood the power of his voice. Every morning and every evening for 40 days, he paralyzed the people of God simply by his voice. Can I tell you how you intimidate a giant? You dominate a dominator with your voice. How do you bring principalities and powers down? By Holy Ghost anointed voice. Singing, worship, intercession. Brings them down in the name of the Lord. Amen. The David of God must arise again. Even today I prophesy by the name of the Lord that in this region of Hammond, the Davids of God are awakened. In the Spirit of the Lord. Even now I prophesy by the name of the Lord that every Jezebelic spirit that rises up at the preaching of this word is decapitated in the name of the Lord. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No voice raised up against Zion shall overcome us. But we have learned the technology of the Spirit. We understand how to administrate ourselves in the season. We know how to make warfare in the name of the Lord. We are no longer intimidated by the speech of the enemy. Our voice is bigger than the voice of the enemy. Mm. Yes. Holy Spirit imparts to you the grace to rise up against your enemies. And I'm not talking about your mother-in-law or your neighbors. Amen. Talking about the enemies of the Lord. Wicked spirits that have lodged themselves in territories. There are some places where the church of the Lord cannot grow. There are some places where the church of the Lord reaches a certain level and then it splits off and breaks in a thousand pieces. There are some things that repeat itself over and over and over. You have to discern what is working, what spirit is at work. And rise up against it in the name of the Lord. And establish the altar of God. And overthrow that strange worship that's going on. Amen? Not everyone that comes into the church is of the church. 
We've had some instances in our ministry back home where some witches were sent to our ministry. And their assignment was to overthrow the work. I watched the worship leader that Sunday morning trying to lead worship. They spinned him up and he couldn't even lead the songs. A threefold cord is hardly broken. I discerned what was going on in the meeting, went up to the platform and led the worship in warfare. I asked him after the meeting, so what was going on? He said, I don't have a clue what's going on. I said, there were three witches in the house. Okay, how did I know? By discernment. God needs to help us. We cannot play church. Amen? We cannot play church. This thing is going to kill you. If you play church, it's going to kill you emotionally. Amen? This thing you either do right or you quit and go home. Amen? I've seen too many burned out people, both in church and in ministry, because we try to do it our way. Frank Sinatra is dead. Stop singing, I'll do it my way. It's his way or no way. Or hit the highway, Jose. It's got to be his way. We have been trying to build churches our way for too long, and somehow we don't get the message it doesn't work. Amen? It's got to be His way. So how does these demonic spirits work? Firstly, they try to pollute the human race. We've seen that already. They created a whole different race of giants. They didn't change their strategy. They will still try to pollute your seed today, your children. Okay? And your grandchildren. Now that you've become a grandparent, you have extra time on hand to make sure that your offspring are raised in the fear of God. Amen? Your children are probably a two-income family, husband and and, and both mother and father are working because we're in a modern world. We need things. We've got to have them brand names. Meanwhile, the devil is branding your children. I can speak like this. You see, when our first child was born, my wife came home. She's never been back to work since. It's 27 years. We became a one-income family when our first child was born. We had to do without a lot of stuff. But we have a stable, solid family. All three of our daughters are serving the Lord. All three of them have gone through school, through university, and they're making a contribution to society. Amen? They are at home now while we are here. And we don't have to send the police to our home to check on them. Okay? Some things come by sacrifice. I know I'm speaking to a first world country where we've got to have, we've got to have, we've got to have. My wife is here. We lack nothing. 
Amen. But we had to make some sacrifices in the process to invest in our children and to protect the seed, and we are still protecting the seed. A young man came to me a few months ago and he asked if he could have a relationship with our middle daughter. Now, we don't, we don't, we're very old-fashioned. We don't believe in dating. We believe in courtships. So I said to him, young man, what you're actually asking me is, can I be the grandfather to your children? So I asked him three questions. Who is your pastor? said, I don't belong to a church now. I said, where do you tithe? said, I'm not tithing now. And I said, show me a piece of paper that you can stick to a program and finish some studies. said, I don't have these three things. I said, go home and get them. Yeah? I said, you are not tithing. My daughter has been tithing since she was knee high. You want me to care for you and your children? I'm not in the adoption business, brother. So said, my daughter is accustomed to a certain type of life. Can you deliver? So you can't deliver if you don't have a financial relationship with the Lord. So go and build an altar and rectify your wrong ways and come tell me when you've repented. My daughter said, Daddy, you are too hard. I said, I know. I'm hard because I'm looking after my investment. I'm not going to give my hard-earned money to him. He has a bigger chance to be struck by lightning. And I'm not going to work to the sweat of my brow for my grandchildren. He must do it. I've already raised my children. He must now be a blessing to me. Amen. And I will leave an inheritance to my children's children. Not to my children. They must work for their own money. I'm still in the Word. Amen. I'll give you another tip. I've got to move on now. This is my most powerful weapon. I ask for a CV. You know what a CV is? What do you call it when you apply for a job? A resume. I asked the young men for resumes. I said, show me your history and tell me how I'm going to become a part of it. They never come back. I tell my daughters, it's time for the resume. They say, Daddy, not yet. I said, yes, it's time. He's been here three times. We've got to ask. Then they run for dear life. Protect the seed. These demonic spirits set out to take possession of everything that God has promised you. That's why when Israel came into the promised land, who did they find there? They found the giants. And they had to involve in warfare to run them off the land. 
Okay? There are giants standing in the land right now opposing you individually, opposing you as a couple, opposing you as a family, and opposing you as a ministry. Their job is to prohibit you from accessing the purpose and the plan of God. How you deal with them determines whether you get what God said you can have. Okay? Yeah. You better accept that because you already know that's true. They are primary enemies to the purpose of God and most of them are parading as religious spirits in the church. How do I know that? Sometimes you teach the word and you know that you've had a strong flow of revelation and somebody in the audience comes to you and they say, God has been speaking this word to me for the last few weeks. I said, how come God sent me here if he's already told you? Send me 10,000 miles to tell you something he already told you. God is an economist. Is that true? But what is speaking? Spiritual pride. Jesus says our traditions has made his word of no avail. These are strongholds in our lives that if we not have humility and simplicity, the word doesn't find entrance. It lies on the surface of our hard hearts and the birds of the air comes and steal the seed and before this week is out, it's gone. Because it didn't find entrance. Amen? The Bible said it's the implanted word of God that is able to save your soul, not the word that you hear. The word that becomes planted in you. There's a big difference. How does the word become planted? Through contemplation, meditation, and application. If you're not willing to do those three things, you've not invested your time properly. Amen? It's got to become embedded in your spirit, and then it administers salvation to your soul. Amen? Bless the Lord. Let's find a landing spot somewhere. So what is the message of the church? The apostolic message of the church is as follows. Firstly, the problem of the message. The popular messages concerning going to heaven and the Lord destroying the earth cannot produce results that the Lord desire in the earth because the saints have an I don't care attitude. I've got what I needed, I'm out of here. God can't use you, if that's your attitude. You have been saved for a purpose. That purpose is to reclaim the earth for God. Amen? That is the message of the kingdom of God. Study the Old Testament concept of the kingdom under the rulership of David the judges and the kings. And you will find there is a physical demonstration of a spiritual principle. Amen? The establishment of the kingdom and the extend or the extension of the kingdom through rulership. The Bible says that kings go to war in springtime because they go to extend their territorial domain. Amen? Now it's Hammond, five years from now, it should be the state of Louisiana, or at least a few parishes beyond this. Amen? Because the grace has increased, that has multiplied, and that grace is now touching lives beyond the geographical territory of the church. Amen? 
And they begin to understand that they are a center. They are an, an embassy of the kingdom of God. Amen. And as citizens of the kingdom, they understand they have come to establish the power and the principles of the kingdom that sent them. Amen. It's not just church. It's not here I am, Jesus, bless me. The bless me syndrome is not going to get the stuff for God. Get blessed and then stay blessed and then do what God needs you to do. Okay? The church is not a bless me club. By the way, the church does not exist for us. It exists for God. Sorry to disappoint you. And have you noticed it's not your church, it's God's church. People sometimes ask me, where is my church? I said, I don't have one. Only the Lord Jesus has a church and He has graced me to work in it. I don't have people either. Only the Lord has people. I don't have a word even. Just the Lord has a word. Amen? I see men strut up and down in the church. My church, my people, my possessions, my this, my that. When I hear that, I just wait for the next one. When they crash. Pride comes before the fall. Amen? And you know there's been a lot of casualties in the house of God. Amen? Don't become a statistic. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. The ultimate goal of God in the earth is not the church, but the kingdom. The church is the medium that established the kingdom. The church is the means to an end, but it's not an end in itself. Daniel 7.27, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Who is that? That's us. Given to us. Amen? His kingdom is what? An everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Did you hear that? Here is the end of the matter. 728, the book of Daniel. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts much troubled me. My countenance was changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. You've got to keep this word in your heart. Understand that the Lord is busy building a kingdom through which the king of all kings is ruling right now. Amen? Some people teach he's going to be king one day. Can I disappoint you? Revelation 5 says there's a throne in heaven and one that sits upon the throne. He is the king of kings now and there was never a time when he was not the king of kings and that he will not be the king of kings. Amen? Jesus is not going to graduate one day and become the king of kings. He's at now. Amen? And a king is not a king without a kingdom. A king without a kingdom is a king in exile. Jesus is not in exile. He's on the throne. 
to scrap that theology that tells you that one day the kingdom will be. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. Unless you understand that, you cannot operate in the power and the provision of the kingdom. That's why you have to keep on begging God for things because you don't understand that it's the provision of the kingdom. A king makes provision for his subjects. Amen? And there is no shortage of provision in the kingdom of God. That's why you don't have to beg God for things. It is the inheritance of the subjects of the kingdom. Amen? Sometimes I have to prophesy to the glory of God to manifest the provision of God. But I've learned how to administrate the grace of God to see that I get things done. You know that when the economy went bad, what I did, Pastor? I went to the leaders of the church and said, because of the, the, the worst state of the economy, I'm now traveling 50% more. Because there is no lack in the kingdom of God. And to state my faith categorically, both to God and man, I'm stepping up my schedule. While the rest is going into decline. Amen? Because God is still able. Amen. Is He still the same God? Yes, He can still give water from a rock in the desert. Amen. Come on, cheer up. Warren Buffett is buying shares left, right and center. And the church is running for cover. Watch the figures. It's going upwards on the stock markets. The world is becoming excited and again enthusiastic. They are becoming hopeful. And just because we listen to the prophecies of Goliath, all of our souls are weak and decline and we don't even want to serve God. And when it comes to giving to the Lord, we give the Lord, what is that president on the one dollar bill? George Washington goes to church more than any other president. He's the most spiritual president. Come on, folks. Wake up. Smell the coffee. God is at work. Amen. And He's a good God. Let me conclude. What is the conclusion of the matter? The message is not about the separation from the world and going to church. Many people say, I'm going to church. Now, let me just caution you. You are not the church. You are a part of the church. Because if you believe you're a church, that's why you want to do it at home. By yourself. You are a member of the body of Christ. So we don't go to church. We meet as the church. Amen. This is a sanctuary. It is a place that protects us from the elements. But this here is the church. Amen. Everyone a living stone, shaped by the Word and the Spirit, for an appointed place in the body of Christ. And by the way, you can't position yourself in the body. It takes a fivefold grace to, to position you. Amen. Temple of Solomon, every stone was numbered. 
and it was placed by the masons in its appointed place until the capstone came in and then the body was the, the building was established. Jesus is the cornerstone. You can't put yourself just anywhere in the body. You can't name your own ministry. Oftentimes people come to leaders and say, I am a this. No, no, no. Leaders tell you what you are. It takes a father to discern the ministry of a son and a daughter. Yeah, I know that cuts across some stuff. But I can say it. Because I'm not your pastor and I'm going home tomorrow. <laughs> Too many self-appointed people in the house of God. Hmm. A father names you. A spiritual father and a spiritual mother knows what you need. Just like you as a natural parent understand something about your natural children's abilities. If your child is not good in maths, he's not going to be an engineer, even if he dreams about it every night. And you have to tell him, my boy, you are not an engineer. You cannot do this unless you are getting an A in maths. So you lovingly steer the child in a different direction. Is it true? Spiritual parents do the same thing. Because we are blinded by our ambition. But spiritual parents can see you're not good at maths. Are you with me? And they, they name you. It's a father who names you in your ministry. Amen? I know that because my ministry was named by a father. It's my spiritual father that appointed me in the office of an apostle. Not me. I didn't even desire it. It was the furthest removed from my mind. After he ordained me, I said to him, I feel like a man that was sick for a long time and I'm wearing a suit for the first time and it's hanging loose on me. He said to me, son, you will grow into the grace. Amen. Bless the Lord. So, it's not a time for self-made ministries. So it's not about being separated from the world. It's rather about the church invading the world. Monday morning, the church invades the world. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes Saturday and even sometimes Sunday. Okay? We're standing at our, our post where we do our work to earn our income, but it's the church that stands there. Declaring the purposes of the Lord. Giving face to Jesus in a world that doesn't know what he looks like. Demonstrating the love of God and the grace of God. Amen? The message is not about separation between church and the world, but rather about the church becoming the highest authority in the earth over every other government. Do you know this? Can I just tell you? 
It's through the agency of the church and by the power of declaration in the church. Can I explain this to you? And I think I have to stop here somewhere. When we gather like this, Jesus called his church the Ecclesia. Is that right? Now, most of us understand the Ecclesia as the called out ones. That's only part of the meaning of the word. The Greco-Roman meaning of the word means this. Parliament isn't sitting. When Jesus called his church the Ecclesia, the Roman people knew exactly what he meant. He meant that there was another parliament in sitting. That's why he could say to his disciples, Speak to this mountain and it will cast itself into the sea. A coded language about the Roman Empire. Does the Roman Empire still exist? No. I want you to understand, when we gather like this, there are some decrees that must be made in the name of the Lord. Legislation must be passed in the house of God. The saints of the Lord spend too much time talking about what's going wrong, wrong in society, but we do not pass legislation about what must go right in society. Because we do not understand the power of our voice in the realm of spirit. Amen. So when we come together by the discernment of the spirit of the Lord, when things are going wrong in society and the house of God says nothing about it, it will just continue to go wrong. But when we gather together as the Ecclesia, understanding that some of us have the authority and the grace of the Lord to make some decrees about the purposes of God, and the saints come together in unison before the Lord, as we make that declaration, that principality has to come down. The atmosphere over a situation has to change. 